Welcome to Commission. I'm Pastor Eric Teitelman. And I'm Jed Robine. In each episode, we will talk about the gospel of the kingdom, declaring God's heart for the restoration of Israel and all the nations. So join us as we together explore the mysteries of the one new man. Welcome back to the Commission Podcast. I'm Pastor Eric, and with me again is my good friend, Jed Robine. And we are going to continue in this podcast with our discussion from Acts chapter 13. And if you, Jed, I'm going to turn it back to you. And if you want to give us a quick overview of where we left off and where we might be picking up uh, with this next episode. Sure. It's great to be with you as always, Eric. Um, In the last two episodes, we've been talking about Antioch as a model of the one new man. You know, Paul and Barnabas are up there. Gentiles are getting saved. The Jewish communities uh, start to resist and oppose Paul and Barnabas preaching. Paul and Barnabas are going, after they leave Antioch, they're going around Iconium and Lystra, Derby, some of these places in the ancient Middle East, and are preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. Paul's getting stoned, uh, dragged out of the city. Um, there's uh, adversity, persecution, uh, and yet the gospel is advancing. And so we were focused in on Acts 13 and Antioch and some of these dynamics. Acts 14 really is a continuation of that story. And ultimately, you know, Paul and Barnabas are, are continuing to travel around on their first missionary journey. They wind up back in Antioch of Syria, where, where everything kind of started and they got launched from. And they're rejoicing that the Gentiles are getting saved. And so there's great fruit as they're preaching and there's great opposition. And so as we pick up, you know, in this episode, we want to zero in and we're going to kind of continue through Acts 15 and then into some of Acts 16. And the next episode will be in Acts 16. But for this one, we want to zero in on the crisis now. Now, the Gentiles have been coming in and we've been talking about Cornelius and it's like the Holy Spirit has made this pivot, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. And as the Gentiles are coming in, it's getting more and more hotly uh, controversial topic. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with these Gentiles that are getting saved? And you'll notice uh, in Acts 15, and we'll pick up in verse 1, Paul and Barnabas are back in Antioch of Syria, and it says, Some men from Judea arrive, and they begin to teach the believers. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. And so I want to say right up front, here's the controversy. Salvation. Mm -hmm. To this group of believers from Judea, to them, you had to be circumcision was a requirement for salvation. Mm -hmm. And Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Verse two. So finally, the church decides to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers to talk to the apostles and the elders about this question. So they, they're detached. Okay, this has become such a big, hotly debated topic. We've got to go to the Apostolic Council in Jerusalem to figure mm-hmm. this out. Is salvation dependent upon circumcision according to the law of Moses? That is the question that is coming before the elders. And so they come to Jerusalem. But this is interesting. Verse 5, and I want to hear some of your thoughts on this, Eric. Some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted. 
So this is interesting. Mm-hmm. These are Pharisees, but they're believers. Right. You know, in, in Acts chapter six, verse seven, it talks about priests getting saved. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so there are religious elite, religious Jewish sages that are getting saved, uh-huh. uh, that are believers in Jesus as the Messiah. They're practicing Judaism. Faith in Jesus doesn't eradicate their Judaism. It, it fulfills it. That's right. But here's what they're insisting. The Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. Now, this is what they would normally do with any Gentile proselyte mm-hmm. that would come in. Would basically, you have to become Jewish. All oh, right. You have to, you know, you've got to come in and become an Israelite in order to follow God. Right, right. So they're standing up and they're kind of keeping the status quo, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to pause right there and give you, give you an opportunity to kind of share your thoughts on this before we continue uh, to talk about the controversy. There's so much happening in the background mm-hmm. here where God's moving and doing things. You know, there's opposition mm-hmm. to the gospel going forward. The, the, Satan doesn't want the gospel to go forward. The flesh is rising up. Religion is coming in to have its say. Mm-hmm. And here we are in Jerusalem. Key question is before the apostolic elders of the first church. Some of your thoughts on this controversy, Eric. Well, we talked about this a little bit uh, last episodes, last two episodes, I think it was when we, we discussed Peter and, you know, he has the vision and he is sent to the house of Cornelius. And of course, he's wrestling with God because in his mind, and to be honest, it really hasn't changed much today. If you talk to a Jewish person today, in a Jewish person's mind, there are Jews and there are Gentiles. There's us and there's them. And, you know, we have the covenant relationship with God, and then the Gentiles are outside of that covenant relationship with God. That's, that's how they view, that's how Jews view the world today. That's how Jews back then, 2,000 years ago, viewed the world then. So Peter obviously is wrestling mm. with, with that concept that suddenly he's now at the house of Cornelius. You know, first he has the vision and he's surrendering to God's will. He understands it's not about food. But then when he shows up at the house of Cornelius, before he even finishes speaking, the Holy Spirit falls and he sees the whole family, the, all of these Gentiles are getting saved. And, and he says this, he says, you know, I see that God has given to them, to them salvation. Mm. So he's, he's like, okay, I, I, I accept that God is willing to save the Gentiles. I mean, that's a great thing. I mean, why not? If we can be saved, why can't they be saved? But he still sees it as kind of us and them, right? Mm-hmm. He says God's given to them salvation. He's not seeing that like they're coming together as now a family of God. He still sees this distinction that separates them. And of course, you know, he acted inappropriately. We know later on he was eating and the way he treated the Gentiles was different than how it was when he sat with his Jewish brothers. So, and he was called, Paul called him out. For right. that, yep. So I think that that the the Jewish world is still struggling with what to do with these Gentiles, and Peter still sees it as kind of us and them. On the other side, you have these religious leaders, and like you just said, they were used to converting Gentiles to Judaism, proselytes. Well, if you convert to Judaism, you become one of us. In other words, they were expecting these Gentile believers to come into Israel to become part of Israel and essentially to become Jews. So from their perspective, in order to deal with this issue of separation, they just said, well, you Gentiles need to come into our house and you become Jews, circumcise right. your flesh, 
and follow the law of Moses, all of it. I mean, that's what they said. Follow Welcome the law of Moses. Club. Welcome to the club. And, uh, and, it, and it's interesting because if they viewed that, that the law needed to be fulfilled in order for the Gentiles to be saved, we can also assume that they believed that they had to fulfill the law for themselves in order to be saved, right? Because they would not expect the Gentiles to fulfill the law for salvation if they didn't expect that they had to fulfill the law for salvation. And of course, Paul, he talks about this so, so frequently in Romans and Galatians. I mean, he, he makes it so abundantly clear that circumcision doesn't avail anything in terms of salvation. Right. Nothing. It's by faith alone. Right. That we're saved. Yeah. And circumcision of the heart, not circumcision of the flesh. Well, and Peter, and this is interesting, you know, Peter's the original, the OG, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's the one that God called, as you rightly pointed out, he goes to Cornelius and he stands up here in Acts 15, verse seven. He's listening to these arguments and the apostle stands up and he says, brothers, you all know God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. So mm-hmm. he's talking about Cornelius. God knows people's hearts. And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And it's interesting, us, them, right? Mm-hmm. He's right there. He says he's accepting the Gentiles by giving them mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. Right. <laughs> and here's the key. He made no distinction between us and them. Right. For he cleansed their hearts through faith. So Peter's the original faith guy. He's the original saved by faith guy. Right. He's saying, you know, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you're, you're cleansed by faith in Jesus alone. And there's no distinction because, you know, he's talking to the Pharisees. He's addressing their point. He's saying, look, God didn't ask your permission to baptize the Gentiles in the Holy Spirit. Mm. God's working something bigger than your understanding right here. Mm-hmm. And he's pouring out his spirit on the Gentiles. He's showing the world that he's accepting them. Who are you to reject them? Right. And so he says to them in verse 10, why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? And I love what Peter's doing here. I mean, this is the Holy Spirit in Peter, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Speaking with authority and the Holy Spirit is challenging these uh, Pharisees, and he's saying, you're not just challenging the Gentiles with your perspective of the law. You're actually challenging God mm-hmm. because you're you're not in alignment and in agreement with what the Holy Spirit's clearly doing. Right. You know, your your mindset is stuck, you know, and you've attributed salvation to something other than what actually salvation consists of, which is faith in the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And he goes, here's the verse 11, and Peter closes off the argument beautifully. He says, we believe that we are all saved the same way right. by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. So there's us and them, and then he lands, we, mm-hmm. Jew and Gentile, the right. family of God, we agree, we are all saved mm-hmm. by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Right. And that's true, because whether you think you're keeping the law really well, Paul says, look, your righteousness is filthy rags, right? Mm-hmm. Right. The Gentiles that have no concept of the law, right? Guess what? It's filthy rags. Right. This is the undeserved grace of the Messiah. It's his righteousness and it's his work, salvation, that salvation springs forth from. Mm-hmm. And so that's Peter's kind of concluding remarks. And 
you know, as we continue on in Acts 15, um, I'm going to summarize just for the sake of time on this uh, this episode. But James basically stands up and he quotes Amos, right? He talks about mm-hmm. the fallen tabernacle of David. Right. That he's basically quoting some Old Testament scriptures that prophetically include the Commonwealth of Israel and how God's going to be grafting in the nations. And mm-hmm. so he says this was anticipated. And here he says in verse 19, my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we need to write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, from sexual immorality, from eating the meat of strangled animals, and from consuming blood. Mm-hmm. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city on every Sabbath for many generations. So they all agree to send out this letter. And they say, this is from your brothers in Jerusalem, the apostles and elders, written to the Gentile believers. Greetings. We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching, but we did not send them. So we decided having to come to complete agreement to send you official representatives along with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, We are sending Judas and Silas to confirm what we have decided concerning your question. Again, do you have to be circumcised to be saved? Mm -hmm. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these four laws that I've just stated. Right. I love that, Eric, you know, and I want to hear your thoughts on this because I think this points to pristine hospitality and humility that the Holy Spirit, I think, wants us to bring into our relationships. and. Mm -hmm. In the one new man today, you know, here you have this Jewish apostolic council and they land. It's good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Mm -hmm. We're not going to make it difficult for you Gentiles. We're not here to lay these heavy burdens on you that our own ancestors couldn't even bear up under. Right. You would do well with you to avoid these four things. But welcome to the family is kind of the heart of this. Right, Right. You know, I love it. Greetings. We're here. We've answered your question. And I just love they're kind of rolling out the carpet of fellowship mm-hmm. to welcome the Gentiles in. And so the Holy Spirit's met with them. These hotly debated controversies is settled as far as theologically for all time. Yeah. yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that there is still controversies related to some of these issues, but from God's perspective, it's settled. Right. There's a, a one community of faith, Jew and Gentile together. So what are some of your thoughts as we, talk about how the apostolic council kind of comes to their ruling. Well, this is exactly where Paul goes in Ephesians chapter two, because he talks about how God has, you know, torn down these, this wall of division that was contained in ordinances and statutes and in himself has created one new man in, in Christ. And I think that, you know, just like it was important 2000 years ago, and I love your, your approach on, you know, hospitality, which It's interesting, you know, going back to the Pharisees, their idea of hospitality is, you know, welcome to the club. You're a Jew. You need to follow the law of Moses, get circumcised. But but Paul has a very different approach because he he talks about how he became all things to all men. Right. He he said to the Jews, I was as a Jew Uh, to the to the Greeks. I was as a Greek. And so he he came to people kind of and met them where they were at Hmm. without putting and and that's part of that hospitality like when you're when you're a guest in somebody's house and they want you to take off your shoes when you come in you take off your shoes if you invite somebody to your house you also expect them to do the same thing you want them to honor your customs you don't force your guests to do things that are uncomfortable 
for them and you but you also want them to be respectful of your household and not you know disrespectful and do things that you would expect as well so there there is this idea of hospitality but i think the the key here is and i know we're going to have all kinds of separate discussions about you know the law of moses and you know what what's going on with that today but i think the key here that i think you want us to take away is that when we're being hospitable and invi- and inviting people into a relationship we're not putting any burdens or expectations on them. We just want to come and we want to be your friend. We want to be your brother and we want to get to know you and we want to get to know you for who you are mm. and, and not try to put that expectation or burden on them in order to build that friendship and that relationship that you have with that person. And you can hear God's love through Paul when mm-hmm. he's writing this. You can you can hear his love and you can hear God's grace in it as well. God is so gracefully, so forgiving, and he puts so little expectations on each and every one of us. And he's asking us to, to really do that same thing with our, our brothers and sisters, yes. is to not put that burden and that, that heavy expectation on them. Well, you know, God wants us to be like him. That's the yeah. goal. If you summarize Christianity is to be one with Christ. Mm-hmm to love what he loves, hate what he hates, right. think like he thinks, speak like he speaks, to be, you know, I no longer live, Christ lives in me. Right. That's the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so love is the foundation of relationship in the kingdom of God. Mm. God, I Because like God is love. He existed with himself in community and love before all he created anything. Yeah, that's great. I like that. And so we're welcomed into this fellowship. And so this is Papa's rules for his house, Mm. right? And so hospitality and humility are necessary character traits and a value set that the early believers are, he's he's working into them character. Mm -hmm. You know, and I love this letter that comes forth from James and from Peter and the other apostolic elders. You know, they could have been harsh. They could have, right. Towards the Gentiles, but they weren't. And I think that's evidence of the Holy Spirit at work. I mean, these ultimately, many of these men go on to die martyrs' death. Mm-hmm. They pay the ultimate price for this message, mm. including Paul. Right. Right. And so this is extreme hospitality being displayed of like, it started in Jerusalem, but take it out to the, to the ends of the earth to people who are going to kill you. Mm. <laughs> but welcome them in. Right. Mm. And on the other side is this idea of humility that I want to talk about for a moment on the Gentile side. And I think Cornelius displays this humility beautifully. Oh, he does. Right. Where, you know, the Bible talks about him as, you know, he's praying in accordance with Israel. He fears the God of Israel. Alms and, and giving uh, and, and prayers are going up before God. Peter comes not just to any old Gentile's house, but to the, an enemy of Israel's house. Mm-hmm. At least on at, at, on the surface level, he's a Roman centurion, and so go to you know while we were enemies, God died for us. So Peter's having to live that out, breaking down that cultural barrier. But Cornelius really is already displaying humility. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know the ways of Israel. He's not been discipled. He's not a proselyte. And so as these Gentile converts are coming in. You know, when we think about what Paul says in the book of Galatians chapter three, look, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, there's no Greek, there's no Jew or there's no Greek. The humility that's on display there is inspiring to me as a Gentile, because mm-hmm. I don't know how many of our Gentile you know, audience have even thought about this, but 
the only person that loses anything in that in that equation of there's no Jew and there's no Gentile is Paul mm-hmm. as a Jew because he's been taught he is of the tribe of Benjamin. He has a legacy connected back to Abraham. Mm-hmm. He's in the cultivated olive tree of faith. He's got a pristine Jewish education at the feet of a premier rabbi in Gamaliel. Mm-hmm. He's been taught for years by the Holy Spirit in Arabia. Three years he was being taught by the Holy Spirit, 13 years or whatever, before he actually was released mm-hmm. uh, to, on, on his missionary journey. So Paul has several doctorates, let's put it that way, of theology. Right. Jed, the you know Gentile who wasn't looking for God, mm-hmm. Paul says to me, Jed, hey, before, because of Jesus, you and I are one. Mm. And that should inspire humility in me as a Gentile of realizing, my gosh, like, you know, you have a vast education. You know, you've, you've been in the, the house of faith already. I'm the newcomer, right? Mm-hmm. I'm being brought into something that I don't know. You know, we think about the Messianic movement now, like a Jew who finds Yeshua and puts his faith or her faith in the Messiah today, mm-hmm. they're being completed. They're coming back to something that they already had. Yeah. But a Gentile is being brought into something that never belonged to them. Mm. And I think that's an important nuance in this conversation of humility. You know, as Gentile nations are coming in, we, we can't make the assumption that our way is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't understand some of these things that and we need our Jewish and bro- brothers and sisters who have been called to be a light, just like the apostolic council. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't an apostolic council of Gentiles to make a ruling on this matter. No, they were all Jews. It was, right. They were all Jews. Yeah. You know. And, and so we need to understand how God has set up the kingdom mm-hmm. and, and to have that humility of heart, to be teachable uh, and to be, to learn from one another, to show preference to one another. And I think the Jew Gentile conversation, the one man gives everybody an opportunity, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile to display hospitality and to display humility mm-hmm. in order to receive more from God mm. of love. Yeah. It requires humility on both sides. Like you said, Paul had to humble himself and be willing to be open, openly invite, to be hospitable, to invite these Gentile believers into his, into his house, into his tent, you know, into his presence, to invite them in when they really, you know, he, had, he didn't owe them anything. I mean, there was no obligation other than he was being obedient to the Lord. And then on the other side, you also see the same kind of hospitality where Paul is is going out and preaching in these Gentile communities, these Greek communities, and they're welcoming him in. They're taking care of him. They're feeding him and they're letting him into the, their home and they're letting him teach to them and show them, you know, teach them the gospel and show them his ways and so on. And so he's essentially discipling them. So there's, hus- there's humility on both sides and there's certainly hospitality on both sides. I, I love this blessing. Uh, This is, you know, with the three sons of Noah, but Shem specifically, who we know was that Abraham was a descendant of Shem. Mm. And of course, the nation of Israel came through Abraham. But it it says there's a blessing in in the tent of Shem, the tents of Shem. In other words, that Shem would invite all of the nations to join in and come into his tents to receive this, this blessing. And it's really Picture, of course, all of these 
most of these characters in the Bible are really, they're types, they're shadows of, of Christ in some little way. They represent some piece of Christ or, and or his kingdom. And so here's a picture of, of Christ's kingdom through Shem is a tent that God's inviting all the nations to come in. And of course, when you were invited in, you'd sit down and they would feed you, mm. give you coffee and they'd spread the table with the fatted lamb and the food and all of the, the baked breads and the pastries. It was a feast. That's right. When you were invited into someone's tent, it was to feast in the presence of, of the master of the tent. Mm, I love that. You know, and as we bringing this, uh, this episode to a close, you know, focusing on those two, you know, beautiful ideas of humility and hospitality on both sides being demonstrated, you know, as we press on into the rest of Acts 15, it's interesting to me, you know, here's, we've just talked about how this council ends in peace and oneness and uh, harmony. Mm-hmm. But that's not how the chapter ends. It's interesting. The chapter 15 ends with Paul and Barnabas having a sharp disagreement is how the Bible describes it. Mm-hmm. And this is setting up our next episode, which will be in Acts 16. But Paul and Barnabas, who have been buddies, you know, they've been going out, preaching the word of the Lord, seeing all this amazing fruit paired together. They disagree over John Mark. Mm-hmm. Barnabas wants John Mark to come with them. Paul does not. And the disagreement is so sharp that Barnabas takes John Mark and they go on their way to do some missionary work. Mm-hmm. And Paul now pairs with Silas and they head out. On, and so the, the power team has been separated or so mm-hmm. it would seem. But I have a sneaky suspicion that God's up to more than we can <laughs> even think or imagine. And we'll cover that in our next episode as we look at some things that are happening in Acts chapter 16. But always great to talk with you, brother, about these things and want to thank our audience for listening in to the Commission Podcast. And we'll be right back with you with another episode. Enjoy this podcast from Permission. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our ministry websites. We pray the Lord richly blesses you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.